Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. You bitch! Listening to Outtakes, the home of queer cinema on Joy 94.9. Alan, Gina, Conrad, and Daniel taking you through for the next hour. Now, this evening, as we all scramble for online content like we never really have before, we're looking at the best and most queer and otherwise downright most campy web series available online. Uh, And we're asking, of course, what makes a good web series? Now, to help us with this question, we're joined by online content creator and producer of Iggy and Ace Five Ever, Hannah No. Now, Iggy and Ace Five Ever, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and we'll have to ask her when she comes on the program. It's a new Screen Australia-funded web series that explores friendship addiction and recovery through a queer lens. Uh, We're also revisiting our chat with Boaz Stark, the writer, director and producer of The Horizon. Set in Sydney, The Horizon follows country boy Jake as he explores life and love in the big city. Now, that may not sound like a novel premise for a series, but it is, so it claims the most watched web series in the world, grossing over 80,000 views every day. This is, of course, an unsubstantiated claim, but... (laughs) But certainly that is what they say. So big program tonight as we unpack this world of online web series. I feel like I'm coming into this as a real novice. It's quite exciting. I feel like I'm here to learn. So educate me. I I, I know what a web series is, but I fully confess I'm outing myself. Um, I haven't watched many of them, um, much to the shame. Um, And um, one of our very good friends of the show, Kylie Eddy, big web series fan. She's given me many recommendations. So I'm going to go back and explore those. But um, some of the ones that we're looking at tonight, um, sound really great. I'm really looking forward to diving in. Well, well, I mean, I'm with you. I'm exactly the same. So exactly. I'm well, along for the ride too. Alan and I were actually talking just before we came on air as to where we don't really see ourselves as web series audience. 
viewers. That's not how we often, you know, audience digest viewers? content. Now, is that a new phrase, Gina, audience viewers? <laughs> well, you know, it's been a long day in isolation. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a long ISO month. <laughs> it's been a long ISO. And if a small human enters today, it's because she couldn't go to sleep um, during this recording. Well, we she's, are, of she's our special guest. <laughs> remotely today yeah. again, aren't we? So we you know, are rolling with the punches, and that's why I love that's why I love this topic because that's really what this program is about. You know, we've done a program in recent weeks about you know our, our top picks for online viewing when it comes to LGBTIQ cinema, and certainly we are a cinema program. But we're all in isolation. We're on lockdown. We're turning to our little screens more than we ever have before. And web series are great if you want an eight to ten minute episode of something that's easy to follow. I'm with you, Daniel. I think that's one of the great things that I like about a web series is that they are brief and, you know, it keeps your attention. You've got your eight minute, eight minute section and then another one and then another one. So, you know, it, it does while away the time. The reason, though, that I'm not its primary audience when we look at these things is because there's a lot of crap online. <laughs> and it's, it, like is it is because it is an accessible, Gina. but it's true. It's an accessible platform. Millions of, you know, bits of video go on, are uploaded every day to platforms like YouTube. So it doesn't mean that what you're going to see is great. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, we have a particular taste in film. And most of the web series I've seen is not because I've gone looking for them, it's because I've been directly directed to them because they are good content. It's not a platform I sit there and search all day, every day, or tune into like I would, you know, change a channel on free to air or something. And that's right. You have to let somebody else pan for the gold. I mean, we're out there fossicking, someone else is looking for the gold and we find, and we get the good oil and then we're off and running. Well, that is what we are doing today, Alan. We are panning for gold and we are showing what we've found. I, I, I really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, the primary audience for a web series either. I love a good... Oh, yes, you are, Daniel. Young. You're young. (laughs) You're still a gen millennial thingy. What what do you call them these days? I don't even know, and I'm going to let that one go to the keeper. (laughs) The The reason I love this topic is because web series actually are becoming more and more important, not just for the reasons that we've touched on, but, you know, Gina, you'll know about this. As a filmmaker, there's something invaluable about the experience of making a web series, and lots of web series writers, directors, producers, they use these series as a way to propel themselves into different platforms, whether it's TV, whether it's uh, film. Um, we see that with a, a series like The Horizon, for instance, mm. the Australian series that we've already touched on, but also with a series like Eastsiders, which is now available on Netflix and has really propelled all of the actors mm. in that series, including Constance Wu, um, to kind of new fame. It's it is, the, as, a, as a filmmaker, I mean, a lot of people are looking at this platform in a new way that they've never looked at before because there have been some really critical examples like Julie, um, K- I always butcher her name, Julie Califf, who did start in from now, because what it does is it proves to, you know, funding bodies, it proves to big, you know, free-to-air or streaming platforms that here I have an audience and I'm going to bring the audience with me. It is a Mm. big risk to be given money to make a television series and for most emerging practitioners, that's never going to happen. So, Online series, and if they're done well, you'll usually find they are stories that take risks, they push the envelope, you know, a fiction story, you know, 
storytelling. They're diverse. They're just really fresh stories that we don't see mm. on other platforms. And if they get an audience, then, yes, you see them transitioning to the bigger, you know, bigger budget kind of platforms. Things like, you know, the catering show, which, you know, everyone knows that um, episode with a Thermomix. Well, that made, <laughs> you know, the success of the audience they were able to kind of gather on on YouTube was something they were able to then get a show on the ABC. Um, so it's, you know, we know, there are some really good examples of it. And I think as storytellers, People should look at it, but only look at it for yourself if you yourself are someone who consumes that content. I think it's really, I think people take for granted how difficult it is to make content to get an audience to keep coming back. It's not as cheap as people think. Mm. Um, it can be, but you have to be really clever about it. But if you're not someone who knows that world and that content, I'd say you do your research before you even attempt to try and tell a story on that platform. Well, that's why I'm looking forward to having Hannah on the program because Hannah, of course, is a recipient of funding from Screen Australia and SBS On Demand. They've now channeled $65,000 into developing three new web series. And, of course, one of the aims of this project is to once these three web series have been developed, pick one um, to then fund further and produce a series that will be available on SBS On Demand. So, you know, Hannah's uh, web series, Iggy and Ace Five Ever, uh, is going to be just one of three series sharing in this funding with a chance to be available on SBS On Demand. So she's going to be great to talk to, mm. um, to have some insight into those issues that you've raised, Gina. So what are the, the um, constraints that filmmakers um, have to face when they produce web series and why do they produce web series in the first place? I mean, I, I think web series are great from the perspective that we see web series pushing boundaries in ways that we just don't see um, cinema and TV pushing boundaries. And I think one really great example of, of that phenomena is her story, which is this web series from Jen Richards that I think is about five or six years old now, but started to put trans representation on our screens really before we were seeing nuanced and accurate representations on our big screens on cinema or on TV. Well, her story is a, is a really good example because, you know, it's, it is a very low budget project. And I, I remember when Jen Richards, I remember reading when she first kind of was crafting this this series, I think she had a budget of 10000 in mind. In the mm -hmm. end, with the people that she got on board, they had a budget of about $150,000. Sounds like a lot of money. It's not for six nine-minute episodes. And if anyone's seen it, you'll see the quality of the production but it's not just how beautiful it looks. I mean, it is a wonderfully executed and such an emotionally honest show. And that comes out of the script and mm. that comes out of the authenticity of the of the creators telling their own stories. Nobody else could write those stories. They are stories coming from lived experience. Um, it is, you know, it was nominated for an Emmy, but, you know, Back then in 2015, we were still hearing casting people and, and filmmakers saying, oh, we can't find any trans or queer actors. And this kind of blew that out of the water to go, bullshit, calling it. Um, 
absolute myth because in 2015, 80% of that crew and cast were trans or queer female talent. Well, um, Jeff Richard has been very vocal actually about advocating yeah. for trans actors to play trans roles. I mean, uh, her voice was one of the loudest voices, I think, when uh, we saw the Eddie Redmayne controversy around the Danish girl. She was very vocal about saying, um, as she has you know, been on the record many times, um, saying uh, th- that uh, cisgendered actors should not be playing trans roles, whether or not we believe that. I mean, it's significant that her she was able to channel that voice into a, a narrative series uh, available for anyone to watch anywhere in the world. That, that, that's one of the real pros of, of web series. You don't have to pay for it. Um, they, they are generally more accessible, even though in some countries um, there will be restrictions to availability of online content. They are generally there on, on a platform that people can access. And they, they allow people to bring these stories, these nuanced, accurate representations into their homes. Is this your first time at Les Meet? I'm actually covering this for the LA Reader. So listen, I want to write a piece on transgender women. Jerry Springer's been on that for like decades. What about that waitress? Come on, bye. Never join us. You have some boyfriend that none of us know about? I'm Allie. I'm Violet. Hi. Bye. You are the first trans woman I've ever met. <laughs> that you know of. What, what do you mean? You've probably met women who are trans who just didn't disclose to you. I used to broadcast my team. Tell my whole history before I even hit the first date. So, tell me everything. Everything. About what? Uh, you. All that ever did was to scare people away. They might have actually liked me. When I'm with a man, I have no doubt about my womanhood. I mean, my body next to theirs is so obviously feminine, but next to say... Let's say me. This whole time, some part of my mind has been noting how much bigger my hands are or wondering if people are clocking my voice. It's hard to feel totally present with all of that. All I ever wanted was for someone to see me. And then when someone tries, I'm terrified. It never gets easier for girls like us. I don't know what to do. Well, that was the trailer for Her Story, which is a web series uh, that tells the stories of two transgender women living in Los Angeles as they struggle through the dating world there. We are, of course, spotlighting web series, the best, the most queer, the most campy web series available online this evening on Outtakes. Stay tuned. There's more coming up right after this. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. You are listening to Outtakes, the home of Queer Cinema on Joy 94.9, where this evening, as we're all scrambling to look for new online content like we never really have before, we're looking at the best or most queer or otherwise most downright campy web series available online. Uh, Now, one series that is about to go into production is Iggy and Ace Five Ever. I'm going to have to check if I'm pronouncing that correctly because we're, we're speaking with the producer of that project now, Hannah No. Iggy and A5 Ever is uh, going to be a new series that explores friendship, addiction and recovery through a queer lens. It's about two gay alcoholic best mates who live, work and play together. Um, But after one of them decides to get sober, uh, a rift develops between the two 
So, you know, it sounds like a really, really interesting project and clearly Screen Australia agree. They've now funded the project's development uh, along with two other series as part of a $65,000 initiative with SBS. So we're really excited to speak with um, the producer of Iggy and Ace 5 ever, ever, Hannah. No, Hannah, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Thanks for having me, guys. Good to be here. Did I did I pronounce it? It is pronounced Iggy and Ace Five Ever. Is that right? Yes, like forever, but one more. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <Extra. laughs> where does where does that come from? Five Ever. Yeah, it's. I didn't realize it was an uncommon phrase. We didn't coin it or anything. It just floats around. But um, yeah, maybe we're just too old, Hannah. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite so right. I got it straight away, Hannah. <laughs> Totes all over it. Yep. Right, I'm quizzing you afterwards, Conrad. <laughs> Hannah, it's it's a great announcement to be getting the development funding with Screen Oz and SBS to kind of develop the series. But this started, your relationship with Screen Australia and this project started a little bit earlier with, was it Digital Originals, which was last year, which brought a whole bigger group of creatives. Can you talk us a little bit? About that? So they announced sort of a funding round to try to encourage underrepresented screenwriters to submit applications to like tell or get their stories told. And that was the, I guess, um, in collaboration with SBS, this digital originals initiative. Mm. And um, everyone who wanted to apply put in their applications, and from there they chose sort of the top 10 projects. Um, from all those submissions, and we were one of the 10. Sorry, so um, in November, they held a workshop for the 10 groups and had um, the creators of Special on Mm. Netflix come and chat to us, which is another uh, good queer web series. And they sort of workshopped our ideas, and then we went to Sydney again in February and pitched it formally. And then from there it was the remaining three teams. Well, because when we kind of read what they're kind of asking for in those projects, they're, you know, they, they're quite, you know, overt in saying they want stories that push the envelope, um, that take risks. And so clearly this is what your series is is aiming to do. When it, when it comes to this content, what is it that inspired this particular story to be told? Um. Oh, AB and I have worked on a couple of things before and we really like to make sort of comedies together and we really wanted this project to sort of be accessible and entertained but also if people are able to sort of take a look at their own alcohol consumption then that would be, yeah, a benefit, I think. And, of course, we're all abstaining from alcohol during ISO. (laughs) Alcohol sales have plummeted, so I think you're ahead of of the eight ball here, Hannah. What's so amazing about this, Hannah, is that you've received funding from Screen Australia, Screen Australia in collaboration with SBS On Demand. They're channeling, the figure is $65,000 into these three new projects. Screen Australia doesn't just hand out money. I mean, that's no small feat. Why do you think it is that in collaboration with SBS, Screen Australia is providing filmmakers uh, funds for web series? And why do you think it is that web series are so important? And clearly Screen Australia is recognising web series as important here. Yeah, um, I think they fit sort of in their own world of content. Like, I guess 
with this fast-paced day and age, people want to take like bite-sized amounts of information where they can. But in some ways as well, it acts as like a talent escalator for people to be able to tell longer form content. So I think if you're jumping from like short form into web series, it's just that little bit more that you have to understand like longer form narrative and then going forward, um, wherever it goes from there, like serial dramas, feature films. So what do you think then are some of the some of the tricks to to making a good web series? I mean, if you watch enough web series, you start to see some patterns in, in the making of web series. For instance, I think voiceovers are very, very common in, in web series because they're a way to tell a larger story more quickly. What are some other um, techniques, do you think, to producing really good um, online web series? Yeah, I think... Um you sort of have to be cautious about not trying to shovel in like something that's meant for something longer into the short form. I think if you can sort of manage what the story is and know very early on where you want to end up, how the best way to get there is going to be in five, ten minutes per episode, however that may be. So it's sort of like bite-sized short films that follow the whole way through. I think that makes sense. Hannah, I'm a big believer that the story kind of chooses the platform that it best lives on. You know, is it a short, is it a feature, is it, you know, is it a web series? With this story here, is this something you developed specifically for this initiative, specifically for a web series, or is this something you're hoping possibly is going to be a a proof of concept, something that is going to be bigger, you know, if you're able to kind of prove that you can bring that audience to this? No, I think this was definitely always intended to be a web series. Um, we're still sort of working out like the length of it, and I think that'll just mm-hmm. fall naturally wherever it does once we get to writing it. But um, yeah, it was always uh, for this sort of initiative and for this format. Yeah, I love that you touched on the fact that this series is going to represent some of the issues around alcoholism say that's going to be a big theme in this series. I think that's great. Uh, another clear theme that this series is going to touch on is, is queer life um, and the representation of gay people. Uh, how do you think web series have traditionally tackled that if, if you know, if it, they can be reduced to a certain denominator and, and how do you think a web series will allow you to tackle that theme differently to say, a film or a TV show? Wow, that's a hard-hitting question. (laughs) Uh, uh, I feel like maybe web series are skewed slightly younger in terms of audience, so maybe it's just going to find a different group of people. How do you think uh, web series will allow you to explore queer identity and how do you think that that will be different from, say, the way you'd be able to do that with a film or a TV show? I don't know. It's... mm, necessarily different in terms of like finding casting and finding the right people to be like involved. Talking specifically about alcoholism in the queer community, we wanted to sort of look at how it isn't the person on the street with like a brown paper bag, but it's also really like insipid in the culture, um, particularly, uh, I guess, in the queer community. I think the statistic we found is that the ratio is like two to one of alcoholics in that sort of same age demographic to their heterosexual peers and it's just it's not something you see Hmm. very often 
Hannah, your um, your previous short film, Tribunal, was about an Iranian refugee seeking asylum in Australia on the basis that he's gay, and you're exploring queer characters with this series as well. What is it about telling queer stories that this, this medium seems to be in a way that other mediums can't do it, just kind of building on what Daniel was saying about it being able to push things a little bit more? Is that the appeal for you, or is that is there other reasons why using this platform to tell these stories works better. I'm still sort of finding my way in the filmmaking world and just like emerging and having finished like my masters. It's sort of where I naturally ended up and where I found it my best work to be. So I think longer term goals, five, ten years, we'll chat again about the feature film. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> well we'll hold to that, Hannah, when you're an Oscar winner. Um, talk <laughs> us through this particular project well we'll we'll hold you to that hannah we'll have you back on the program when you're an oscar winner um but but in respect of this project talk us through the next step so you've now got the funding for development what happens next and when do you think we can expect to to see this series online oh well nothing's guaranteed to go into production yet so um my friend ab morrison the writer and i are going to i guess work really closely to try to get out um sort of a series outline and a couple of scripts and then hopefully if Screen Australia like us they'll fund us more and when COVID is over we can shoot it and maybe you'll be seeing it next year. Fingers crossed. Well we look forward to having you back on the program at that time Hannah. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for joining us on Outtakes this evening. Yes thank you so much. It was um, actually quite fun. (laughs) Good. Well, that was Hannah No, the producer of Iggy and Ace Five Ever, which is a new web series that's about to go into production and it's been funded by Screen Australia and SBS. We are, of course, talking all things web series this evening as we all scramble for new online content. Coming up next, we are going to be speaking with Boaz Stark, the writer, director and producer of The Horizon, which is billed as the most watched web series in the world. We're also going to be looking at some of our top web series recommendations, so stay tuned. There's more coming up right after this. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. You are listening to Outtakes, the home of queer cinema on Joy 94.9, where all evening we've been looking at some of the best and most queer web series available to screen online. Um, We've just spoken with Hannah No, who's the producer of Iggy and Ace 5 Ever, a new web series funded by Screen Australia. And coming up later in the program, we'll be speaking with Boaz Stark, who's the writer, director and producer of The Horizon. But right now, we want to spotlight some really great web series that you can access uh, anywhere in the world, really. And Jeannie, you've got a list there. I do have a list and knowing me, I have stuck to a list that is predominantly female made or female led, not always female led, but usually there is a female crew behind it and mostly Australian. Um, But the first one I'm going to touch on is actually a really old web series, which is now a podcast. It's called Just Between Us and it's... um, it's worth still checking out now. It is made by comedians Alison Raskin and Gabby Dunn. And on the surface of it, it looks like just two, you know, friends just blogging into the YouTube 
world, but it's actually not that at all. It's very clever. It is a very clever scripted show where they use the format um, and trope of the odd couple with one of them playing a very innocent, vanilla, straight and super uptight role and the other one, um, Gabby, playing a really proud, bisexual, unapologetic, militant feminist. And they kind of live together. And and as it started, clearly they had no money because it was just them on a couch. But as it developed, it became a very different show. And now it is a podcast. It's got a huge following, over 700,000 um, subscribers from just the po- the web series back in the early days. But um, it is quite funny as to how those, that odd couple then kind of transitions and how the series has changed. Um, I did find a clip that, you know, of one of the series I've, I've I'm hoping um, Conrad can play that for us. But just to show how much Alison and Gabby, you know, change as the series kind of series kind of progresses. And here is a little taste of Just Between Us called Gay Alison. Gabby, I have the best news. Gabby. Go back to sleep. It's 2 p.m. What? Something... Amazing happened. Okay, tell me about it in the morning. I met a girl I'm attracted to. You better not be pranking me, Alison Beth Raskin, because when you prank people, you get hurt. I'm not pranking you. I'm just no longer your one straight friend. I'm finally queer like everyone else. First of all, you can't say that. And second of all, who is she? Just some girl with tattoos. I have tattoos. I'm a girl. Oh my God, are you jealous? No, I'm not jealous. I just don't understand why you woke me up from a nap so you could prank me. I'm not pranking you, Gabby. I was sitting next to this girl at a coffee shop and I found myself staring at her tan legs and her arms and that place where your neck meets your collarbone. I have a collarbone? Is it too sharp for you? No, they seem pretty dull. Well, I don't understand why you're not attracted to me then. Because when you weren't attracted to any girls, it was fine. Whatever, you can't force sexuality. But now you're a raging lesbian and you're not interested in sleeping with me? This is unacceptable. I am very good at sex things. Gabby, you're my best friend in the entire world. I wouldn't do anything to risk our friendship. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm not attracted to you has nothing to do with your body. It has to do with your hygiene, which isn't very good. What? You barely shower, you're covered in cat hair, and you have horrible coffee breath. I'm not sure if the last thing is hygiene or halitosis, but either way, I find it really repulsive. So the only things I have to do for you to be attracted to me is bathe, stop hanging out with cats, and use mouthwash? Yeah, at this point, those are the main things holding me back. Can't believe this. You want me to completely change who I am? No, it's just a couple of grooming habits. Well, I won't do it! I ain't never gonna change for no woman. I'm not asking you to change. I don't want to sleep with you. Go have sex with your coffee shop girl instead. Ew. I never said I wanted to have sex with her. I said I was attracted to her. What do you think attracted means? I don't know, that I like looking at something. Not that I want to touch it. Well, I am glad that I didn't give up coffee and cats for you, Looney Tune. She had huge tits. Whatever, my next girlfriend's going to have bangs. So a gorgeous sample there of Just Between Us comedians, Alison Raskin and Gabby Dunn. Highly recommend you go back and check out that web series. Another one I really wanted to bring to people's attention only because I think it's one of the best short form pieces I've ever seen. And it was, I think it came out last year. It's actually an Australian web series called Robbie Hood. It's a six by 10 minute series. And now I think you can actually get it on the SBS platform. Mm -hmm. So you can find it there. Robbie Hood is basically the story of 
of a very charismatic 13-year-old with a heart of gold who always gets in trouble with the law to do, you know, the right thing by, you know, setting right wrongs in his community. Uh, setting Alice Springs, it's it's Robbie and a misfit of, you know, characters including his two best friends, one which is one of the best tomboy characters I've seen on screen in a very long time. Alan, you watched a little bit of it. I got you to I watch did. a little bit of it. What'd you think? I, I did. I really, really enjoyed it. And the the character you're referring to, she calls herself Blue Balls. Yes. Which I think is quite funny, seeing as though she's most likely a lesbian character. I don't know how she's going to give anyone blue balls, but uh, but you know, I like the irony there. Um, and I think you I think it's it's great representation because we have representation of Aboriginal Australia. Mm. And um, and so you, you get a sense of what it's like to live uh, outside the city limits of Alice Springs, and 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 of course you know these are outsiders uh, operating in in this uh, environment. So uh, you know for me, I, I really really enjoyed seeing what it was like to be uh, kick about larrikins in Alice <laughs> Springs with uh, with an Aboriginal background. So it was and great. It- and I think it's quite authentically made in community with community. Um, they're kind of inviting them and allowing them in to, to be telling that story. The writers are Dylan Rivers and Cody Bedford. Cody also wrote an episode for Mystery Road, which some of you might know. So it is a, a really gorgeous, bloody all heart series. Um, highly recommend people check out Robbie Hood. One thing that um, I think there's always a misconception about web series and it, and it's changed obviously is that they're usually like cheap and they may not have the best production values and you know we've debunked that already mm. but I watched the trailer for Robbie Hood and I think the thing mm. that I really um, was took took my breath away and, and thought it was amazing was it looks incredible it's so beautifully mm. shot and it really captures that authentic Australia like what you were talking about and I think that is the really exciting thing you know when there's a little bit more money in there obviously I um, mean a bit of resources and it's not they, a lot more money yeah just it a little just bit right a lot of talent mm. behind the camera as well and those actors that you're seeing on screen are not professional actors they're from that community I'm pretty sure mm. so you know that this is a launching pad for for them uh, as a possible new career going forward they're just oh well we see that with a lot of ser- series i mean even just before hannah was talking about how iggy and ace five ever she really wants that to be a launching pad for her and the the best example of the way that web series function as a kind of launching pad for their creators is in my mind east Siders, which is a 2012 American dark comedy web series created by Kip Williamson. And that really propelled Constance Wu into kind of a popular domain. Um, and and Eastside is, is a really, you know, it's a, for me, it's a fraught web series. It is now available on Netflix of all places, but it started life on YouTube. Um, and it tells the story of a couple, um, one, uh, you know, a gay couple, one of the partners cheats on his boyfriend and then, they kind of get back together and then the other partner cheats on um, his boyfriend with somebody else. And they just, you know, it's just about this relationship and them trying to make it work, but, but struggling. And it's set against the backdrop of LA. Um, It's got a very kind of gay subculture, LA subculture feel to it. But I actually, you know, they made a few follow-up series which are available on Netflix and I frankly found it too depressing to keep watching by series <laughs> two or three. Uh, it was not only depressive content-wise, co- depressing content-wise, but, you know, they st- as they started 
wanted to channel more and more dollars into this production. It became more superficial and the kind of superficialness of the way or superficiality, that's the word of the way it was made started to mirror the kind of content of the story, but in an unwitting way. And I just found the whole thing it, for me, that was an example of not only did this series thrust its makers into the popular spotlight, but as soon as they started channeling dollars into it, it lost its authenticity. It lost its um, raw edge and it became depressing it's interesting daniel that you say you know that it ended up on netflix as well we we touched on um queer representation um of disabled characters or people Mm -hmm. with a disability last week and one of the other web series that came um out that ended up on netflix was um special um Mm -hmm. about a gay man with cerebral palsy again set in la um and from what i read it was produced before it went to Netflix. So for a lot of people, they said it retained, a, I guess, its web feeling um, before it actually got onto that platform. So it's interesting that Eastside has suffered from perhaps that injection of um, you know input from um, yeah. perhaps Netflix or, or whoever was um, helping you know supervise well, that show. Two, two daytime Emmys. So... You know, it, it, mm. it has been lauded critically, but but for me it just lost something. I think a good example of a web series that does have some financial backing um, but also retains its kind of raw edge is uh, The Hunting Season, which I actually really enjoyed. stars Ben Bauer, who joined us on the program in 2017 to look at a new film that he'd done. Um, now, The Hunting Season is... Uh, an LGBT-themed comedy drama that follows the romantic and sexual exploits of Alex, played by Bauer, and his small group of friends in New York City. It's based on a, uh, well, a blog called The Great Cock Hunt uh, and a 2008 novel published with the same name. And, you know, I think this is an example of something that does representation but also is just... You know what we what we want when we watch a web series, which is switch off mind numbing content that's slick, easy to watch, and a bit of a laugh. And I think it's a bit more than that, Daniel. I think we get a bit of an eyeful as well, to be honest. Um, so, and I have to say that this is about that, Alan. No, not complaining at all. I mean, like it's 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 eye candy for sure, but. You know what I what I particularly like about this is this represents gay culture and it is very very gay. I wouldn't say it was uh, LGBT, but um, but yeah, it's a it's a fun authentic season. Well, one other series that represents gay culture is of course The Horizon. It's billed as the most watched uh, web series of all time. Coming up after this, we are going to be speaking with Boaz Stark, the writer, director, and producer of The Horizon. So stay tuned. You're listening to Outtakes on Joy ninety four point. Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. You are listening to Outtakes, the home of cinema on Joy 94.9, where all evening we've been exploring the wonderful world of web series, the best, the most queer and the most campy web series available for you to view this lockdown. Now, we've looked at a number of series already on the program, but one series that we've looked at a few years ago now was The Horizon, which has been billed as the most viewed web series of all time. It claims that it amasses over 80,000 views every day. It's an Australian series uh, created by Boaz Stark. 
that tells the story of Jake, an 18-year-old innocent from Bega who arrives in Sydney to explore more than just the big city. What can I get you, sweetie? Uh, VB, thanks. And my usual. You want to fuck me, don't you? Sure you do. You've never seen anything more glamorous in your life. I've never seen anything like you before. Anything? You think I'm a thing? Like I have no feeling? I didn't mean it that way. Relax, honey. I don't. And you must be the greenest thing ever to walk in this joint. How could you tell? Backpack for starters. And the deer caught in the headlight kind of look. Cute though. So, where are you from? I'm from Vega. Yeah? Got some cheese for me? <laughs> Good one. Cut me some slack, honey. I haven't slept in two years. <laughs> so, first time in the big smoke? Oh, no, I've been a few times before, just not, not this part, though. That'll be five bucks. Oh, no, I'm just paying for my own things. Yeah, I know. Five bucks for a beer. Honey, we ain't no bigger no more. Put it on my tab. That was a clip from The Horizon, and I, I think I speak for all of us in saying that the drag queen featured in that clip was terrifying. Well, that's that's <laughs> Wilma Bumpert. <laughs> I love Liv- that name. Living up to her name. And, uh, no, look, uh, the, the series, for me, it's like the web series gay equivalent of Neighbours or Home in a Way. Um, it's clearly gained traction overseas, um, but it does have this kind of quaint... Uh, narrative at its heart it is about a young boy who arrives in the big city from a small country town and about how he explores his identity and and, you know over a number of series now i think they're up to series eight or nine or whatever it may be you know it started to incorporate a number of other subplots we spoke with the creator of the web series boaz stark back in 2017 when he was preparing a new version of the series to be directed by stefan elliott here's a snippet of what uh, Boaz had to say. And we are very lucky to be speaking with Boaz Stark. Boaz, have I said it correctly? No. <laughs> how do we, how do Boaz. I pronounce it? Boaz. Boaz. I know you want to say it like both because of the OA, but it's oh, Boaz. Reminds me of a beer, that's why I want to say it that way. No, no, I'm kidding. How are you? Welcome to Outtakes. Now, Boaz, you. you are the creator, writer, and director of The Horizon, which is, uh, well, it's been billed as the most popular gay web series in the world. I mean, that that's a pretty big title. Uh, yes, it's the most watched gay web series in the world, so I suppose that makes it the most popular. <laughs> I, I think I think there's a fair case for that, Boaz. You can own that credit, absolutely. Now, you've come from not only writing this series, but how different was this from Sons and Daughters and Home and Away and Neighbours? Oh, some of our other our listeners may be a little bit more familiar that with. You they, yeah, that you have also been Yeah, that you've written for. Oh, first of all, thank you for ageing me. <laughs> um, hey, I watched uh, all that stuff too. Sons and Daughters was my first writing job ever, and I was a child prodigy, so I was basically a teenager. Um, uh, uh, And how different is it? Oh, it's very different because, first of all, the content is a lot racier, and uh, secondly, because it's a web series, uh, I get to do uh, things the way I want to do them. I don't have to... um, to follow uh, producers, yeah. uh, wins. Networks. Uh, yes, exactly, and conservative networks, uh, your rules. 
And uh, so we get to do things the way that we want them, and I get to write it the way I want to, which is uh, anticipating. Um, Boaz, one question I, I wanted to start with. When you are writing for networks, the, the budget's kind of, it's there, it's set, it's done. Did I read somewhere yeah. correctly that when you started this series, you were looking at a budget of $3,000? Yeah, okay. it was crazy. In two thousand and nine. Wow. Yeah, we um, we got a bit of money from Acon. I mean, it was it was a brand new concept at that stage, and they gave us a bit of seed money, which was fantastic. And uh, we basically paid the caterers with that money. Uh, everybody else worked for free. It was done yeah. by film students. Um, actors weren't paid. I wasn't paid to write the scripts, and uh, and uh, it went viral. So, uh, despite the fact that the production values are super low, I like to think that people got emotionally engaged with the story and uh, got into it that way. Now, uh, for people who don't know, Boaz, The Horizon, it's a web series based on the lives and the loves of gay men in Sydney, so it is uh, a uniquely Australian story. And, and you yourself have said that it's, it's really important to see our stories the way that we as Australians see them. So, so how are our stories as LGBT people different to perhaps web series uh, coming out from, from elsewhere in the world? I wouldn't call it a unique Australian story. Uh, it's a story that's set in Sydney and so it kind of has an Australian vibe about it. Uh, but I think the reason why the show is so popular around the world is because we kind of tap into a universal gay culture, Western culture anyway. And uh, I think that that's why it's popular. So how would you uh, describe that universal gay culture? Uh, well, I think we do, we deal with stories that people who aren't gay don't necessarily have to think about. I mean, just for instance, at the moment we're exploring pep, uh, sorry, uh, prep, I should say, in um, in a storyline, and uh, I found it a way to kind of make it resonate emotionally with the characters. But it's a prep story, and a lot of straight people don't haven't even heard about prep, mm. let alone sure. uh, you know have storylines about it in their shows or need to worry about it in mm. the first place. Yeah, exactly. It's very exciting. Um, we're sponsored primarily by the AIDS Council of New South Wales, so the show does have a kind of uh, like a, a gay men's health vibe through it, through the storylines. So Acon were with you from the beginning, clearly. Yeah. Um, and you've obviously had other sponsors help sort of put the show together. Have you had any funding agencies kind of come to the party with this, or has it really been the community? So from your sponsors that I can see, it's usually mostly community sponsors. Yes, um, we've got corporate sponsors like General Pants and Oboe, but be careful now because if I sort of have to name all of them, yeah. <laughs> so I'd be happy. Uh, but uh, we do have corporate sponsorship, which is fantastic. Ansel just came on board, um, uh, which is a natural fit because we do talk about safe sex, so it's great to yeah. be able to weave that brand into the show. Um, but we have also had uh, sponsorship from uh, government agencies, Green Australia helped us create a pilot and they've just given us some money to do our post-production for season seven and eight with, which is a huge help right. because we are really, despite our popularity, we're still low budget and mm. we tend to get enough, <coughs> sorry, we tend to get enough money to make the series and underpay everybody, but not to really thrive. So any, any sponsorship is really welcome. It's, it's interesting, you know, because we were speaking earlier in the program, in fact, with Graham Mason about the importance of online screen content. Graham says that it's really important because it is where we're seeing the boundaries being pushed in terms of representation and I wonder yeah. as someone doing the pushing of the boundaries how you feel about that it is emancipating to be able to write stories based on people I know and situations that I've been in or have experienced through friends uh, yeah it's great and in terms of responsibility of that 
Um, I think that, uh, of course, uh, because I'm writing it, my personal um, philosophies about or morality about gay men and, and, the, and you know romantic situations kind of comes through. Um, but I try to keep it balanced so that uh, in terms of storylines and characters show different points of view yeah. and different types of characters so that everybody feels kind of, a lot of people feel represented. They see themselves on screen or people that they know and they can relate to it. How do you think the production would be different if oh. uh, you had to produce this for a forum where you were writing for, for Neighbours, say, uh, or for... It wouldn't happen. Or in fact... <laughs> if it was through like a commercial network sure. or... Uh, first of all, I agree with Gina. It probably wouldn't happen. And, and in fact, we shot a pilot and we shot it around and it was probably even racier, a bit racier than the web series. Uh, and it hasn't solved yet. Uh, but it would be different in that I know that, uh, executives, television executives tend to be quite conservative and they want to appeal to the, the, the biggest market, which, and understandably so. Um, and therefore they want to offend the least amount of people. And so I suppose, I, I assume I would be told to kind of make it a bit more, a, le- a bit less racy. Well, that was just part of our chat with Boaz Stark, the writer, director and creator of The Horizon. If you do want to take a listen to our full chat with Boaz, as well as a, a number of other interviews that we featured in that one episode, we also spoke with Graham Mason, the CEO of Screen Australia in that episode. Do head to joy.org.au forward slash outtakes where you can catch all of our podcasts now. Uh, over 200 outtakes podcasts available uh, there. Well, I'd, I'd like to challenge the statistics that it's one of the best well-known uh, web series and pit it up, Danielle, against uh, the lesbian Australian web series starting from now. So it is a soap. Um, so if you're not a soap fan, don't go and watch it. But if you want to see some good-looking lesbians getting it on over five seasons, <laughs> um, starting from now actually has amassed over 130 million views and been seen over 230 countries. I mean, that platform that Julie kind of put together is now a case study that most people looking to make, you know, online web series, they go to basically try and redo what Julie did um, so many years ago can't say that it's worked for everyone who has <laughs> attempted that um but look in the in the last minutes that we've got left i did want to recommend another australian um female led and made uh web series called girl interpreted yes i'm sneaking one in basically the logline of the show is it's a nervous and mandarin interpreter lillian stumbles and stutters through bilingual web series of hectic cultural misunderstandings it is made um written and directed by Grace Feng, who has drawn from her own life experience as a professional interpreter in Melbourne. It is very clever. My favourite episode is when the interpreter has to translate for an online sensation called Strawberry Crush as she live streams mukbang to a new audience. That's that thing where you stream yourself eating um, to an online audience. So it's a very funny episode. Highly recommend people. That, that sounds fascinating, Gina. It's gold. It's so <laughs> clever. Please go and watch there it. There was no sarcasm in that comment <laughs> at all. And- well, look, there's no doubt that there's plenty of online content. We've only really just scraped the top of the iceberg uh, this evening as we've looked at uh queer and camp and kind of the best uh, web series available to you online. Um, That's it for another week of outtakes. Next week, it's back to cinema as we celebrate Radiothon. So do tune in next week for our big Radiothon extravaganza.
Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.